It's your boy, Matty G, back to, to discuss week two, as always, with Colby Patnone. Colby, what's happening? Not much, man. Not much. Uh, you know, a couple extra podcasts this week. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we, uh, we, me and Ty, uh, we went on the, uh, the actual Seattle Mariners official podcast as guest yesterday. Wow. Um, yeah. Funny, funnily enough, our podcast is more popular than theirs, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Wow. We went man, on that's it. awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah, we went on it. It was fun. Gary Hill. He calls some of the games sometimes does pre and post on occasion as well. So, uh, it, w- it was fun. And, uh, you know, that'll be out when the Mariners win is what we've been told. So hopefully tomorrow or yeah, hopefully it'll be out tomorrow, but, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, doing this one. So there's two extra podcasts and, and so it's been, Yesterday we recorded three episodes for three different shows, and today this is oh, this is also episode number three for three different shows today. So six podcasts in the last uh, thirty six hours or so. So wow, um, yeah, been been busy, but it's talking sports, so like it's not all that difficult, really. <laughs> Wait, so hold on, just to be clear for the people. So when you say the Mariners podcast, you're not talking about the wheelhouse. No, no, no. So they have like, is this on Spotify? Yeah, it's wherever you get your podcast. You just type in um, Seattle Mariners podcast. It is, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, I wish it was the wheelhouse. <laughs> so you could talk to Jerry Depoto. Yeah. Um, yeah, just Mariners Pod. I think is yeah. All right, guys. Make sure whenever that drops, keep your eyes open, and and make sure we give that a listen. We got to see, we got to, we got to see what what Colby and Ty had to say. Um, anyhow, all right. Well, we have three trades and a surprisingly active uh, waiver mm-hmm. wire Wednesday. Although maybe not, maybe not the the biggest splash in terms of you know names or whatnot, but still potentially a lot to talk about. Uh, with the free agency, but I think I think we're more so gonna be um, spending time trying to untangle at the very least one of these trades. We had a three teamer, um, but before we get into all oh, that, boy. I just wanted to point out if we just take a quick, uh, way too early look at the standings here. Um, currently, we see three teams remaining undefeated: Colby. Um, Will and Jake Colby actually plays Jake this week so at the end of this week there will be at most two undefeateds remaining and then we have the defeated which is just the one team TJ has yet to pick up a dub uh, this this season Um, you know probably for a plethora of of reasons you know we know that he had um, uh, Herbert got hobbled a little bit there, but you know, I actually, I don't really know why he didn't win week one. I'm not really sure about that week two though. He did lose uh Trey Lance. So yeah. I'm sure that that played a factor uh, for sure for TJ um, this week. TJ uh, has a matchup with Isaiah. So I would say that those are probably the two matchups as far as standings are concerned that, that hold the, the most intrigue. Um, 
and, and then of course, I guess if you want to watch the the other undefeated team there, um, Will, he's got a really a really tough spot here with with Garza. So um, that's pretty much it though for the quick the quick overlook or the quick view here of of the standings as we stand through two weeks. Um, but what you guys really came here for was was the trades listening to listening to the trade analysis so so without any further ado let's just get right into it you know um the first deal that we saw was was tuesday um and it was well if this clock here that sleeper provides is correct it says 2 49 a.m and i don't seem to remember it going down that that way but so I don't know what time zone these these times they provide are. I would assume Pacific. But regardless, um, as we all know at this point, it was um, Scott and Max. They made a trade here, and uh, Max acquired Russell Wilson, Corey Davis, and Drake London in exchange for Justin Jefferson and um, Pierce, the rookie running back. Damian the, Pierce. Damian Pierce for the for the Houston Texans. So, um, I'm going to let you go ahead and you could just take the reins on this initial one here. What, what are your thoughts on this deal? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, uh, to be sure. There's some really huge names exchanging hands here. Um, you know, Jefferson, a lot of people think is, you know, wide receiver one, two or three this year. Uh, there were some who had him as the number one wide receiver coming into the year. And then, you know, I don't think anybody had him outside the top five or so. Um, obviously Russell is a huge name for various reasons here, but there's also, you know, a couple of like really, uh, valuable, you know, wide receiver two flex types or, or running back two flex types in this trade. So, uh, certainly a lot to unpack here. Um, it's interesting. It's probably worth noting that Scott, uh, has Marcus Mariota on his bench. Uh, so he did not get a quarterback back in this trade, but he did have a third one that he likes quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty interesting here. Uh, Max, from his in, him, his standpoint here, um, you know, finally realized the jig is up. You can't win without quarterbacks in this league. I know he thinks he was going to try it, but we all knew he wasn't. The first sign of trouble, Max was going to turn tail and run, um, you know, to, to a familiar name and a familiar face. So he gets his quarterback, which he desperately needs. Um, and he gets, and it, it, it cost him, man. It cost him, you know, his wide receiver one and, really solid running back. I mean, I don't know if Pierce is a star or anything like that, but he's definitely startable on a, on a weekend week out basis. Um, and he, you know, but he does also get Davis in London. So I, I don't know. I feel like this trade overall, I feel like it's reasonable for two side for both sides here. Um, as for which side I like better, uh, probably Scott's, but it also probably comes with more risk, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. This really comes down to how does Scott feel about Russell Wilson? And when you kind of look at how willing he is apparently to trust Marcus Mariota, I, I would venture to say he's, he would say that he doesn't think there is a massive difference between Mariota and uh, and Wilson in this particular trade, uh, but he probably feels like, and I, I'm again, I'm speculating here, that Jefferson is just such a massive upgrade over what he had at wide receiver. Um, Davis he plucked out of free agency, um, and, and Drake London 
yeah, we'll see. So uh, it's it's certainly interesting. I, I think Scott got the better end of the deal here, but I get why Max uh, felt like he he had to pull the trigger here. I, I don't know. How did, how did you see this one? Well, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Uh, because uh, my thought, my thought is, well, the fact that you're that you feel like Scott got the better end of the deal, I feel like, to me, I feel like Max got the better end of the deal. <laughs> okay. um, and my first initial thought here when I saw this trade was processed, I thought to myself, really, Scott is is already ready to bail on Russ, and yeah. I and I know that he had. I, obviously, we all knew that he had Mariota. <laughs> Um, he's but, very proud of that fact. I mean, that's a, we can't pretend that that's not a downgrade. And are we really, are we really that confident that Mariota is going to maintain the, the, his grasp on the starting role for, for the Falcons throughout the duration of this year? Cause I'm not so sure that I would have that type of confidence quite yet. Nope. Um, nonetheless, um, you know the way the way I look at it is, it's always it's always tough to trade a QB, and and I think we kind of learned that last year, especially in this league. Um, it's tough to to acquire a QB; it just is. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I look at this is is Russ for Jefferson is fine. That's fair to me. Um, I know you know Jefferson fell a little bit um, in our draft, but but nonetheless, I, I'm fine with that part of it. But I mean, if, if we're going to view Jefferson and Wilson as a wash, you, I mean, do we really, do we really think that Davis and Corey Davis and Drake London isn't a, a nice get in exchange for Damian Pierce? I mean, look, Damian Pierce, he, there was all this hype on Damian Pierce coming in to the season. And and then next thing you know, you look up week one, and he's MIA, and it's and it's the Rex Burkhead show, and right. and then fast forward to this past week, and all of a sudden, Rex Burkhead is MIA, and Damian Pierce, it's the Damian Pierce show, and you've got to imagine that for the rest of the season moving forward, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Damian Pierce show. But regardless, Corey Davis and Drake London, I know it's been two, I know it's two weeks, okay? But they've been they've been productive these first couple weeks of the season. And um, and you know, how much of that is real and how much of that is a mirage? Well maybe maybe everyone's gonna feel a little bit differently about about that. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I side with, I think Max made off really well here. And I think that he also, Mm -hmm. if you want to view it just from a, from a team standpoint, a team need standpoint, he desperately needed to address his quarterback situation. And, and so he managed to find somebody who was willing to move, say whatever, say whatever you want about Russ, but you know, he was willing yeah, and I, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I, I know we can count on you for that. He, you know, Max was able to accomplish something that is very difficult to do in this league, which is to find somebody who's willing to move on from a QB one, and especially yeah. somebody who's willing to move on from a QB one 
without getting a quarterback in return in the deal, any sort mm-hmm. of quarterback in return in the deal. Um, right. So I just have to, I mean, look, obviously, you know, everyone has their own bias, I guess. My bias shows with how I evaluate this. I've got to side with, with Max in this, in this trade, 14 team super flex on a team that was sitting there with sorry ass Justin Fields and, you know, and then Zach Wilson, and Kenny Pickett, you know, just collecting dust on the bench. You know, yep. he had a major, major need and he was able mm-hmm. to, to address that. Sure. Um, I guess what I would say, you know, just cause I, I think this deal is, it's deeper. It's just kind of weird because like, right. Like the most difficult deal for us to break down is surely going to be the three teamer. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. more moving pieces. It's, it's always harder that way, but this deal, it feels, I don't know, like more, I don't, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's a little more complex. Um, I, I look at Scott's team and I go, well, you know, he gave up, he gave up Davis in London. Okay. Well, what does he have a wide receiver? Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, and now Justin Jefferson. It's pretty good. What did he, what did he have at running back? Tony Pollard and Travis Etienne. Yeah, that's, that's not great. And I don't know if Pierce is great either, but like he still has good, uh, he still has good wide receivers. And I would say he upgraded uh, at his wide receiver spot. And he, he basically, he fixed, uh, well, he didn't fix. He added another potential running back. Cause again, Pollard and Etienne, that's 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 risky um and yeah davis has been great so far we'll see what happens when when wilson gets back in there i i think if the jets wanted to win they would stick with flacco but but you know they they wanted to see what wilson has so they're gonna put wilson back in there sounds like uh next week or the week after uh, it'll go back to the zach wilson show and and i I know how you feel what's that said i wish they wouldn't yeah um yeah, when it comes when it comes to Russ, and this is purely fantasy here, um, his last sixteen games have been interesting. Uh, let's say uh, because I, I went down and I looked at it uh, because as somebody who's had Russ the last couple of years, um, I can tell you it hasn't been as fun as you would think. Uh, and the, and so I went and I looked why, and here's the reason why. Now keep in mind, uh, yes, there was the injury last year. It probably skewed uh, a few of these games here, but it's it's what we have to work with. So for the last 16 games, right, Russell has had two games where he scored more than 30 points, fantasy points, right? He's had six games where he has scored 20 points or more, so 20 to 29.9 points. Uh, he has had four games where he has gone for between 10 and 19 points, and he has had four games where they were single digit points. So you look at it, except like really good quarterback play, two games, really solid quarterback play, six games, subpar, like not quite living up to expectations, eight games. It's eight and eight, right? Like the last 16 times people have started Russell Wilson, eight times they've been very happy with him eight times they've been disappointed with them. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. I'm not, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Russell's not valuable in a 14 team league. Of course he is. Is he as valuable as the name makes us believe? I don't know. Is he more valuable than Marcus Mariota? Yes. That, that's yes. <laughs> like, I'm not, don't, don't get that twisted. That's not what I'm saying. I just, I'm wondering here if, and I don't know if I, I doubt Scott knew 
you know, the inconsistencies of Ross because why would he, right? Like I'm the one who had to deal with it recently and the numbers don't lie. Half the time you half the time you start him, you're going to be disappointed. And so far this year, you're, you're over two, but again, last year there were some injuries that kind of skew the numbers. So I, however you want to word it, Russ hasn't been an elite fantasy quarterback. I think we can all agree on that. He's a good fantasy quarterback elite. Nah. And there's probably only two or three guys like that anyway. So who cares? But to me, I kind of look at what Scott did here. I don't agree with his assessment that Mariota is. And again, I'm speculating this is his assessment, but based on the trade, I kind of have to speculate and assume that he thinks the difference between Mariota and Wilson isn't that huge. And maybe floor wise, he's right, but ceiling wise, you know, the careers speak for themselves. So we'll see um, what, and this is the, here's where the risk really lies in it for Scott. In my opinion, what happens if Mariota loses his job? Scott's in a tough place. And you know what he probably has to do? Trade Justin Je- Jefferson. Trade Jefferson yeah. for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So he has to we'll go back to go back to max and, and knock on the door and see if he can do <laughs> trades, trades Sure. But we'll see. Mariota's looked okay. The first two weeks. Um, I do think eventually they're going to go to Ritter which is why I haven't dropped him yet. Uh, but we'll see how it works out for Mac I, or for Max and, and uh, Scott. I get what Max was doing. I can understand and rationalize Scott's thought process here. And I look at Scott's team overall and I say, did it get better? Uh, I think slightly. And did Max get better? Yeah, I think slightly. So, um, you know, it just, we'll see how it works out. Uh, we'll see what Russell Wilson looks like for the rest of the year. Obviously he's going to have games where, He's going to put up 35 points. He also will have games where he puts up nine. That's just the fact of who he is right now. And it's not great for your quarterback one, but it's not terrible. It's, it's certainly not terrible. Out of Justin Fields. It sure does. It sure does. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think both teams did fine here. I just, I feel like this trade, like this is, this is a, a it's an ogre trade. There's a lot of layers you got to peel off. Uh, to kind of, you know, get in the head of, of both of these guys, uh, which is fun because the next trade is is like as cut and dry as you can get. And we'll go right into that next trade. The next trade is uh, Brennan and Jake. They exchanged running backs. Yep. So Brennan acquires uh, Harris and and Jake acquires... Javante, Javante Williams. So, um, I guess I'll let you. I'll 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 defer to you again. What are what are your thoughts here on Najee for Javante? Yeah, I think uh, I think Jake probably said it best. It's a good old fashioned board bet trade, right? It's just I think my I think the guy I'm getting is going to be better than your guy, and you're you're betting on it essentially by making this trade. So. I feel like these two guys are somewhat similar spots uh, in terms of just like ranks the rest of the year. Um, Javante has to deal with uh, Melvin Gordon uh, in his backfield. Harris has to deal with, well, Mitchell Trubisky in his backfield. And neither of those things are, are ideal, obviously, for different reasons. So, yeah, I think this is an interesting trade. Najee is a guy who I've I've been hesitant to warm up to just because so much of his production comes from volume. 
Um, you know, you, you look at, Oh, look at all the catches he had last year. Like, yeah, there's a reason for that because Ben Roethlisberger can't throw. Right. And, and it's like that. It's not, that's who he had to throw to. Cause that's as far as he could throw was the check down to the running back. So I don't know. I've never seen Najee as like this, this like super talented player. He's a good player, but is he a great player? I don't know. He just feels like a volume play to me. And, and I think Javante is more talented, but he's going to get less volume. So it's kind of one of those classic, you know, uh, skill versus workload type of trades. And it kind of depends on what you want to value. I, like I said, it's, it's basically impossible for me to pick a, a winner of this trade because you traded two low mid to low end number one running backs for each other. Like whatever you like is what you like. You know what I mean? So it just, I don't really have a lot to say on this trade because it's so straightforward. It's clearly, you know, each person liked the running back. They were getting better than the one they were giving up. And and I can see why from both sides. So uh, if I had to pick, I probably prefer Javante, but it's really close. Like I, I, nothing would shock me less than the Najee Harris outscoring Javante. Like, okay, cool. So yeah, I, I like the way Jake phrased it. Just a good old fashioned board bet trade. Sure. So I think it, I think it's worth noting here, uh, just a couple things in evaluating this trade. So first of all, as we all know, Javante last year. Well, actually, I guess both these guys, both these guys were rookies last year. Um, last year in PPR formats, Javante finished as the 17th running back, whereas Harris finished as the third running back. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Najee Harris had 74 receptions for 467 yards. Um, I don't know this for a fact because I'm not looking at it, but I would not be shocked if that if that led the league. It's got for for running back receptions. It's got to be up there. Oh, it has to. Yeah. Um, uh, there's there's you know wide receiver threes you know on NFL yeah. teams that don't have 74 receptions in a year. In a, in Most a of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, so he got a shitload of work. Um, and I think that the thing here also that we've got to factor in, it's interesting to think that Najee has been traded twice now in our league. <laughs> um, you know, initially Cam drafts him at the end of the first round. He goes in the, in the shit shuffling of 2022 to Jake Smith, who immediately flips him to, to Brennan for Javante in this deal here, um, you know, and you're right. The circumstances have changed here for Najee. There's a couple things I want to point out. First of all, what was the big narrative in, you know, in the fantasy universe or the football universe post week one, there was a lot of concern about whether or not Najee was even going to be healthy enough to play week two, you know, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly he had some issues with his foot is my understanding. Um, and yeah. so there was speculation, Hey, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe you got to keep an eye on Jalen Warren because they might, he might be Pittsburgh's horse in week two. And then lo and behold, Najee Harris goes out there in week two and, um, and he takes, he plays 71% of the snaps. Was he efficient? No, he hasn't been efficient at all this year. Matter of fact, he's averaging 2.8 yards a carry at this point, And he's only seen 25 carries through two games is Najee healthy i don't know i i don't does anyone really know he was healthy he was healthy enough to 
to show up for week two. Um, you know, now, now granted the other issue here is, you know, maybe his inefficiency has to do with Pittsburgh's offensive line. That -hmm. could be, that could definitely play a factor here as well. Is he going to see as many targets as he saw last year? To your point, probably not. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, fun fact, Javante Williams leads the running backs in targets right now in the whole NFL. Pretty heavily now, skewed by 13 that he got sure. in week one. He got 12, 12. So Whatever. yes, you're right. He did see 12 targets in week one. So I think it's absolutely fair to say, okay, how much of that is real? How much of that is a little bit of a, an anomaly? And and I would agree with you. I would say, look, you know, I, I, would, I would venture to, to guess based off what we saw last week against Houston, you know, he, he gets four targets and that falls much more in line with what we saw from him last season. Um, that being said, if I'm wrong and, and he's going to have a prominent uh, receiving role in Denver's offense, then um, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. And so end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of variables that, that are coming to play here. You know, I think that it's still really early and, and perhaps it's perhaps it's far too early to, to make a statement, a definitive statement one way or another. My my best guess is it appears that perhaps Najee was a little bit overrated or overdrafted coming into drafts this year. And and perhaps Javante was a little bit underrated. And so this is a totally. This is a totally reasonable board bet. I would I would venture to, to mm-hmm. guess. Um, who won the deal? Well, look, you're right. Javante is technically still sharing carries with Melvin Gordon. Um, but I think we all know where I'm going to go with this. I mean, give me the running back who plays in an offense that's being led by Russell Wilson as opposed to Mitchell Trubisky, who also has yet to have popped up on the injury report with, with, you know, a foot injury like Najee Harris. That's my thought. I I'll rather, I'd rather have Javante just, just as we sit here today, right now in this moment, that's my thought. Right. It's, it's like, Javante, we know, is going to be productive with split backfield, right? With with limited carries, touches, not super. You know what I mean, though, right? He's he's not ever going to have that backfield entirely to himself. Not this year, unless Gordon gets hurt. Uh, Najee is a guy who we've seen so far with limited workload, not getting a ton of points, right? So it's one of those things where, like, if if Najee's workload goes down or if game script goes against Najee or, or he's going to be banged up. Like, I don't know if he's talented enough to do like, if he like, right. Let's say each player gets 15 touches a game guaranteed. Who would you rather give the 15 touches to? For me, it's Javante. I just think he's a better player than Najee. So that's where I land. I agree. And interestingly enough, as we sit here right now, Javante has 21.3 points through two games and Najee's got 21. <laughs> so, Virtual tie, baby. We'll see. I think I, it could be tight, but... Um, yeah, for the big fumble that, at the goal line last week. <laughs> that, that's a large. good point, too. 
That's yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good point too. I did we didn't factor that in. But nonetheless, it's still it's still reasonably close. It's still really early, but mm-hmm. for the reasons I've already mentioned, um yeah, I think we I think we see eye to eye on on that on that deal. Now it's time for this nightmare of a trade. Um, and, and by nightmare, you know, look, what did I say last week? I said, you know what, Colby? I regret to speculate that it's not the first shit shuffling and it won't be the last. <laughs> and boy, right. was I right. I couldn't have been more right. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be this soon, though. I didn't see that coming. But here we are. Max, TJ, and Will with the second shit shuffling of 2022. Man, here we go. All right. So I guess what I'll do is maybe we'll just go person by person. So so let's start off with Max and let's evaluate what Max receives and what Max gives up. So in this particular deal, Max acquires Cooper Rush, uh, Devonta Smith, and Rashad Bateman in exchange mm-hmm. for Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, James Conner, and Justin Fields. So what do we make? How did Max make out in this deal? Yeah, so I think the easiest way uh, to look at it is Rush for Fields. Obviously, I I think you'd rather have Fields, uh, at least long term. Uh, Connor for Bateman, I think is probably the best way to look at it. I've never been a big James Connor fan. I don't believe the touchdown luck is going to continue this year, and now he's banged up another ankle injury for him. Um, Bateman's off to a great start. We'll see if he can continue it. I uh, I, I don't know if I'm ready to call Rashad Bateman a top twelve fantasy wide receiver like he is right now. Um, he might be number one, actually. <laughs> he had a couple of really good weeks. So, um, and then Smith for uh, Smith Schuster, yeah, kind of a wash for me. I'd probably rather have Smith, but eh, it's you know, that's fine. So overall, I kind of look at what Max did. Uh, you know, I think he downgraded at quarterback. I think he, mm, I think he upgraded. Uh, I think Connor for Bateman is the upgrade, and then I think Smith Schuster and Smith kind of a wash but if i had to pick i would probably take smith uh as the number two guy in in uh in philadelphia well maybe number three depends on how you feel about goddard you know it's funny because um there's going to be people who are on polar opposites of the spectrum when it comes to this trade some people are going to say hey max did max did well some people are going to say, man, Max Max did awful, you know? And that's because people are just going to look at names and name yeah. recognition, right? But at the end of the day, if you want to if you want to view this from a strictly fantasy standpoint, I understand wanting to move away from Fields for Rush. And do I think that Cooper Rush is amazing? No, but I also am not convinced that Fields is either. The Bears' offense still looks like a mess. 
their offensive line appears to still be a mess. You could literally prorate Justin Fields' statistics from this season, and if you and if it looks like 2021 all over again, um, and that's discouraging. If you if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Justin Fields fan, or if you're hoping for the best for Justin Fields, um, but I guess my point here is just that. Apparently, Max saw two weeks of Justin Fields and said, good riddance, you know, and who could blame him? So um, then people are going to focus on Connor. Look, I agree with you 100,000%. James Connor was never going to repeat his touchdown efficiency from last season. And he's banged up already. And that's the, and that's what James Connor does. And so if it's if we're looking at Connor for Bateman, then you know it maybe it doesn't feel right based off what we saw last year, but at this point, yeah, you'd probably rather have Bateman. At the worst, you can't say that it's not probably a wash at the worst. Bateman is Bateman is better in 2022 than people who are referring back to 2021 statistics would would believe that leaves us with juju and devonta smith and the temptation is to love juju i like juju i liked him coming into the year i'm still interested to see what might happen but pat mahomes told us he warned us coming into the year he said we're going to spread the ball around a lot it's going to be somebody new every week and and so far that has in fact been the case um meanwhile the Philly passing offense has really surprised. The really the Philly mm-hmm. offense as a whole has has been one of the surprises in the in the early weeks here of 2022. And so from that perspective, you know, uh, coming into the year, I would have definitely taken Juju over Devonta Smith, and I would still be tempted to take Juju over Devonta Smith. But from a fantasy perspective, I absolutely see the merit in going with Devonta Smith. Um, so, you know, I think that for Max, it's, it's interesting. And what it really, when, what it's really going to boil down to, as far as I'm concerned, is, is the fact that he sold fields for rush and how does that pan out? You know, how long is, is Dak gone? And, um, you know, and, and, how much is is Max going to have to lean on Cooper Rush? And that's really what this boils down to from my perspective for Max. Um, I guess the next one we'll move on to will be Will, since he also has three for three. So in this deal, Will acquires Rashad Penny, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Cam Akers in exchange for Cooper Rush, Devonta Smith, and Isaiah Spiller. So how do you shake this one out? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, you, you pick either Penny or Akers, and, and that's the guy for Smith, whichever one you like better. Uh, Spiller kind of uh, – Cooper Rush is a guy he got for 15, fab. Um, doesn't need him at all. Uh it's, you know, if I had to guess, like I'm, I'm assuming Will just picked up uh, Cooper Smith 
just to trade him for this exact purpose. So uh, really to me, he's irrelevant, at least to Will he is. Um, so there, there's not a lot to say. Uh, and then Spiller is... Eh, like, I, I know that, you know, there are a lot of people who are uh, very interested in, in Spiller as like a super deep sleeper. Hasn't been active through two weeks. Uh, he's he's nothing to me in this trade. So I kind of look at it and I go, he gave up Smith and he got Penny and Akers and I don't care about Valdez Scantling at all either. So, so for me, you know, Will's participation in this was he traded Smith um, in 15 fab dollars essentially for Rashad Penny and Cam Akers. So uh, I, I think he came out of this uh, very well. I would agree. As a matter of fact, I would struggle to, I would struggle to say that he's probably, if there is a winner in this deal at, at, at an obvious winner in any sort of a significant way, it might be Will. I'm not saying that he got the best player in the deal because I don't think that he did. I, 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 I would venture to guess maybe Max did with Bateman, but yeah. Um, but the, the, I mean, when you're evaluating the deal, all I care about when I'm trying to pick the winner is who got the most for the least. Um, Will, I agree with you. What did he really, he gave up Devonta Smith and a QB that he picked up on waivers that he was probably never going to use. You know, he got him for 15 fab and he flipped him for Rashad Penny, Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Cam Akers. Yeah. I, I, I like how, how this shakes out for Will. Yeah. It's hard to find any, like any negatives uh, to say about this. Cause I mean, he traded Smith and, and gutter trash and he got, you know, two solid, I would say flex worthy running backs who each have, you know, potential to, to win weeks, multiple weeks, uh, kind of depending on workload and, and, you know, a few other factors health. So, uh, yeah, that's basically no risk for will and, and a lot of upside. So, uh, I, it's hard to say anything negative. I mean, it, I don't think we can say anything negative about uh, Will's participation in this trade. He did. He did very well. It's not a it, well. The, the bottom line is, it's there's no nobody's scratching their head why nope. Will felt enticed to press the button. Because if I was in his position, I would have pressed the button too. <laughs> um, Quickly. The last one. The last one here, and probably who thinks that he's the winner of the deal uh, is TJ. So TJ acquires Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, Justin Fields, and Isaiah Spiller in exchange for Rashad Penny, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Cam Akers, and Rashad Bateman. So um, go ahead and, and, and break this one down, I guess, in terms of how you see it, which player for which player, and, and how do you think TJ made out here? So I would actually disagree with you. I would... I think TJ knows he didn't get the best end of this deal. I just feel like TJ knew he didn't have much of a choice. Uh, you know, he loses Trey Lance and and that's it. He doesn't have a quarterback for the rest of the year. Uh, he doesn't have a backup, right? Uh, he, he didn't draft Garoppolo. 
I I wonder how hard TJ tried to find a different quarterback. Um, you know, I I know he got some offers from some for some other quarterbacks. I don't know the details of those offers, but uh, I assume he got some uh, from some of the few people who are holding starting quarterbacks. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think you know Penny and Acres. He's probably looking at as like, you know, I have a lot of running back depth. Uh, my guess is, and I'm just lining this up based on what I think. My guess is is that TJ looked at uh, Valdez, Scantling, and Spiller and said, "Whatever, they're irrelevant. Uh, I don't care about them." So toss those two guys out. So then it's Smith Schuster, who I know TJ really liked in the draft. Uh, James Connor uh, and Justin Fields for Penny, uh, Acres, and Bateman. So again, how much is a number two, you know, quarterback worth? And despite all of his flaws, Fields is still a number two quarterback because, well, the position is that shallow in a 14-team Superflex league. So uh, I don't know who he would line up here. My guess is he would say that that was probably for Acres. Just, just again, just a guess. Uh, Smith Schuster for Penny and then Bateman for for Connor. Uh, so yeah, like when you throw out the garbage in this deal, I guessing that's how TJ views it more or less. Uh, this is the cost of, of acquiring a quarterback when you desperately need one. Is and that's kind of the issue, um, you know, in this trade is that TJ makes this trade and and he can't feel like he got full value uh, for Bateman, Acres, and Penny. Uh, but because he needs the quarterback, it's a deal he feels like he has to make. And, you know, Connor, to me, Connor, Penny and Akers are all roughly in the same ballpark. Like I just, I'm not big on, on Connor really at all. I, I don't think he's especially talented. I think he's just, you know, a touchdown horse and, and those guys tend not to repeat that often. Like look at LeGarrette Blunt. So we'll see how that works. Maybe I'm wrong. Smith Schuster, I was never really high on either. Uh, I, I think there's a, uh, target vacuum fallacy that goes around a lot in fantasy. And it's when, you know, a big wide receiver leaves his team immediately. Everyone's like, well, somebody has got to get those targets. And they just assume that his replacement will get all of those targets. And I just, i never saw that. I don't, I don't think that's a good argument. I think that's kind of a crutch argument. So I wasn't big on Smith Schuster this year either. So these are three guys that I personally wasn't big on. Um, I thought Penny was going to have a nice year. Acres, I was eh, kind of iffy on a few weeks ago and no reason to change my mind yet. And then Bateman is kind of the the biggest piece, I guess. Uh, and there's clearly upside there. And, and so uh, I think TJ did what he thought he could, knowing he needed a quarterback. And at 0-4, I wonder if TJ maybe felt like, I can't afford to wait that long to have a, a huge hole in my lineup. So uh, this is the best deal he got, then, uh, you can understand why he took it. I just, to me, I, I think TJ came out the worst in this deal, but it's obvious why desperation, uh, sometimes doesn't lead to prosperous trades, uh, on, on your end. So, um, but Hey, we could be wrong. If Connor scores 10 touchdowns, you know, and fields is quarterback 16 or whatever. TJ's feeling really good about this. I just don't think either of those things are going to happen. Yeah, let me be clear. I actually don't think, now that we've actually sat down, looked at all the trades, and evaluated what everybody received and what everybody gave up, um, I don't think that anybody stands out as as doing awful. You know, I, I don't think there was any any situations where 
where anybody played themselves. There's um, no Mitchell this week. Yeah, there's no there's nobody who who was yeah who stands out as just you know losing or downgrading in any sort of a profound way. That being said, you know I guess obviously I'm just not going to be a big fan of this move for TJ. I understand why he did it, and you absolutely have to factor that in because you're right. You know when you when you lose uh, Trey Lance, that can be devastating. That can be, you know, that can be curtains for your season mm-hmm. if you don't find a way to to address it. And so, you know, you know, props to TJ for going out there and, and figuring something out. Um, obviously, based off what we saw last year, based off what we've seen in a small sample two weeks here in the 2022 season, um, you know, I don't think that Justin Fields really has done anything to inspire a whole lot of confidence, but he is a mobile quarterback and yep. we know that that plays in fantasy. And if he can take a step or two forward as we progress into the 2022 season, then, Hey, you know, maybe I'm wrong. There's definitely absolutely potential there for uh for fields to contribute this season for fantasy but for me i feel like the most prudent approach with him is to you know uh is to wait and see wait and see now unfortunately tj is not afforded that luxury because that's what happens when you lose trey lance um, right but uh you know like i said i just want to be clear i don't think that that anybody made out terribly um it's just that there's certain there's certain things that we're going to throw out there. So like I said, you know, Fields was a bum last year. Fields has been a bum this year. Uh Connor uh you know, his career, the story of his career before last year was he's going to get injured. He's going to miss games. That's just what he does. And then last year he goes on this this outrageous, you know, scoring binge and now we're supposed to believe that he's a top five running back. No, sorry. I think that James Conner is as good of a bet as anybody to get hurt. And I would have said that before he got hurt <laughs> this last week. Um, so, you know, but we'll see. You know, it's not terrible. I've, the way that you shaked it out, the way that you shook it out here. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's essentially the way you look at it is uh, probably Conner. For Bateman, I would rather have Bateman, but, you know, um, I agree with you that more or less, he probably views Spiller and MVS as as eh, meh pieces. Then you're looking at Juju and Fields for Penny and Akers. Um, and, and like you said, you know, this is the price that you pay when when you're trying to acquire a quarterback. And at least typically, this is the price that you pay. This isn't the price that Max paid but um, for Russ. But this is the price that you typically have to pay. And um, that being said, let's also not pretend that Penny and Akers don't have downside and concerns, concerns of their own. You know, yep. Akers was a zero and, you know, he was nowhere to be found week one. And Penny 
has, uh, you know, before last year, his entire career is also injuries, season ending injuries. So, you know, you know, we'll see. That's, I mean, that's all that I have to say about it, I guess, is it's not terrible, but, you know, we'll see. And it's, again, it's, he didn't, he clearly, he didn't, he didn't ruin his team by any stretch. He addressed a need and he, and he, he took from a, a position of strength for him, which was running back in order, in order to address that need. Mm-hmm. So, so here's a fun little thing on, on James Conner, right? Last year he played 15 games. Do you want to guess how many weeks he didn't score a touchdown? Out of 15. How many did yeah, he not 15 score? Games. Man, honestly, it felt like he scored well, every week. What, did he not score, what, maybe out of 15 games, did he not score maybe three times? Uh, Four. Four. Jeez. Now, do you want to guess how many times in 15 games he scored more than one touchdown? Um. Well, so he scored in 11 out of 15 games. How many times did he score more than once? Let's say, was it probably what, four or five? Six. Jeez. Now, do you want to guess how many times he had 100 rushing yards in a game last year? Not often. Zero. There you go. Career high or season high 96. The one nice thing about, uh, about Connor is he's actually pretty good in the passing game. He'll catch a lot of passes, or at least he did last year. So, yeah, I'm just not a Connor guy. That's really what it comes down to, largely because, A, I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a fine player. I just don't think he's a great player. And, B, I don't trust touchdowns. In 2020, he had like six. Last year he had, what, 18 or something like that? Like, hmm. you can understand my skepticism, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, I do. I do. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Three... He had 15 rushing touchdowns and three receiving touchdowns. So 18 touchdowns last year. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I agree. I I think, you know, I think this is TJ doing what he, what he felt like he had to do. Um, You know, he's again, not presented with a lot of options uh, at the quarterback position. Um, And yeah, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta lose a little uh, to, to make your team, uh, max out your team essentially. And, and, you know, TJ could probably spin it and say he didn't lose much in this trade. I, and he might be right. I just happen to disagree with that assessment right now, but at the end of the year, if, if TJ ends up right, would I be shocked? No, because Rashad Penny and Cam Akers could both get hurt. They've done it a lot. So, um, you know, or they could both lose their job or lose a lot of touches to, to other guys in their backfield. So, yeah, I get what TJ was doing here, uh, but I'm with you. I don't think anybody in this trade or any of the the two other trades, I don't think anybody got got hustled, I would say. I, I think there's rationale and understanding on why everybody would make the trade that they did make. Right. Um, all right, well, I guess I guess that just about does it as far as the the trades are concerned. We can quickly comb over the the waiver acquisitions from waiver wire Wednesday. If there's, if there's anything in particular that, um, that stands out to you, um, then just go ahead and let me know. Let me see here. I guess we'll start. 
Uh, we'll Bot start some major money this week. Yeah, so there's a couple things that I would point out here. First of all, the the most expensive wa- waiver acquisition of of the the waiver period for this week was um, Joshua Kelly. So Brennan goes out there and he he throws twenty down on on Joshua Kelly. Um, Do you know why? Just, my view is that this is my opinion. Just a gross overbid. That I I don't. There was no. There was never any reason to put in my view. Maybe I don't know what what Brendan's thinking. To me, there was never any reason to put such an, an aggressive bid on Joshua Kelly, unless for whatever reason, maybe he feels led to believe there should be concerns about Austin Eckler is the best I could come up with. Although I haven't heard anything in that regard. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that would be coming from. If that was even the case, um, the other two been fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Um, the other two, I think, you know, that were kind of surprising just from a bid standpoint, you know, uh, Isaiah, he bid 17 on both Noah Brown and Greg Dorch. Mm-hmm. So obviously he he is in a position where he feels like he really could use some flex help. And um, he's, you know, currently one three. So, um, you know, trying to pick up some W's. So um, I understand that. But I also feel like 17 is just aggressive you know and and but he would probably say yeah that's the point that's the point yeah yeah um you know but it's just i I mean obviously hindsight's 2020 and you look at all these bids we just talked about and when the only other people that are putting in bids are placing zero dollar bids then yeah it kind of looks bad you know but how are you supposed to know that and if you feel like you really want somebody then then who am i to tell you how to utilize your your fab budget. I mean, yeah, you once dropped a hundred dollars on some scrub. I can't even remember for new England. Um, <laughs> but the process, the uh, process, yes, the process, the process was sound. The okay? process. Sure. The process Shot your entire sound. load on a guy who I believe had zero touches. In fairness, that week. it was in fairness. It was do or die. I saved, yeah, I saved my fab budget for a rainy day and it was in fact a rainy day. <laughs> Sometimes you got to chuck the Hail Mary, Colby. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Ru- Russ does it all the time. Boom, shot taken. I'm joking. Um, no, but yeah, that's still $40 on, on three guys that he could have gotten for a combined total of three. No, no, I'm not no, gonna no, hold- no, no, no. So Brennan, Brennan paid 20 for Kelly. Isaiah paid 17 for Brown and 17 for Dorch. Yeah, yeah, but I, but just Isaiah specifically. Oh, another one. Okay, I did. Yeah. You're, you're you're referencing Richie James. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he he threw out three bids on guys that the second highest bid were all zero. So, like I said, you can't you can't really get like on on bot too much for that because it's blind bidding. He doesn't know, right? And if he wants those guys, he knows he's got to put. He thinks he's got to put out an aggressive bid. I get it. I understand it. Just doesn't look great um it's it's kind of funny maybe not for maybe not for bot right now but it's kind of funny for us like you know oh 17 dollars um 17 dollars six dollars and also you know 
uh, Brennan dropping $20 on Kelly when there was only one other bid and it was for zero. Also funny. Also weird because Kelly's not even like the guaranteed backup because Sony Michelle had uh, Sony Michelle's there and he played a little bit too this week. So I, I don't know what's going on with that one. That one's weird. Um, yeah. In terms of other, like, I guess noteworthy, we'll say ads uh, Marlon Mack for six. Uh, you just outbid uh, Brian there. Um, Drew Locke for five because TJ needs to, needs to take shots at the quarterback position. I get it. Uh, oddly enough, the, guy with the most bid or tied for the most bids this week was uh williams in arizona daryl williams is it daryl or Darrell? i think it's daryl is it Darrell? okay i think it's Darrell. yeah there was a five four three and zero dollar bet on uh a bid placed on him so that's that's interesting obviously just you know seeing if connor's going to be out or not um yeah Agu- aguilar got a couple bids ingram had a couple bids um most guys, most of these bids were for zero dollars. Um, looks like we had a grand total of, let's see here, 10, 14, 18, 20, 25, 27, and then one, two, three, four, 31 bids total placed. And I, you know, I'm not going to do the math here, but I, I think at least 25 of them were for zero dollars. So kind of a, a lot, a lot of activity, not a lot of, I don't want to say not a lot of impact, but like, you know I mean? It just, it's just a lot of, of shuffling of, of, of cards. Like there's no major additions here. Um, at least not that we can see, but I don't know. I think, well, in terms of just straight value, uh, the best value of the whole of the whole waiver wire Wednesday, in my view, was definitely Darrell Williams for five dollars. You know, because if because if Connor doesn't play, then you're looking at probably ha- at least half the touches, give or take a little bit, half the touches mm-hmm. in the running game for the Cardinals to get that for five dollars, and you could just plug him into the flex. That's that's it. That sounds like value to me. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like, how valuable is it for a one week flex in a fourteen team league, right? Like, because hypothetically, let's say Connor misses this week and he's back next week, and Williams goes back to the bench, is it worth five dollars to have a, a flex play plucked out of free agency in a fourteen team league? I'd well, say yes. So I would say if it's if if they if they were good enough to fill a need for you to where you felt compelled to actually plug them into your lineup and they helped you win, then the answer is undoubtedly yes. Yeah. It's worth more I mean, than five dollars. Right, because you we do this every year, right? Like usually what happens is after week one, there's a few guys who pop. Right. And that's when most people spend a lot of their money. Um, and then after that, what you're kind of waiting around for is, is an injury, right? Uh, you know, an injury to a major guy whose handcuff isn't owned. But for the most part, most money is typically spent in free agency, I feel like, after week one. Didn't really happen this year, 
so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, pieces get maneuvered and, and who spins on what, because a lot of guys have a lot of fab left. And I, it just, again, this is just gut feel off the top of my head. I feel like that at this point last year, we had five or six guys who were under 50 bucks left in fab. So we'll see just, you know, hasn't been super active. There hasn't been that big injury. There hasn't been that big, you know, Philip Lindsay, uh, you know, type of drop yet. So uh, we'll see if we get one this year. If not, fab management is going to be very interesting. And it always is. It's one of those, it's one of those things that people in fantasy kind of overlook because it's incredibly hard to predict. But at the end of the day, it can make a big difference based on how you manage your fab. So we'll see how it works. But uh, yeah, it's, it was nice to see, you know, to wake up this morning and be like, oh, wow, 13 claims. Uh, wow. Okay. So uh, it's it's always nice to wake up on a Wednesday and be like, wow, that that's an active waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to go in there and to see, just to look at the bids and see, yeah. you know, who everyone was felt compelled to, to chase. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is always interesting. See who got yeah. dropped is sometimes really interesting. Mm-hmm. Not, not so far this year, but in general, it's sometimes fun to see who gets dropped and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you can almost start to see a lot of people's thought process based on how much they bid and you know who they dropped and who they got and it's 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 fun sure um well with that being said that's another that's a wrap on the week it's another week in the books um is there any any closing thoughts that you wanted to share with everybody before we uh before we wrap this up no you know um good luck to everybody this week uh got some some fun matchups uh on tap uh, obviously, you know, me and Jake is, is a good one. I'd probably put my money on Jake. Just if you guys want a hint, if you guys, if you guys want, you know, some betting advice, I know somebody out there runs a, an underground booking, uh, bookie, uh, service for, for the league matchups, but, uh, I'd bet on Jake for this week. Uh, and then, you know, Garza versus Will is a fun matchup. Um, you know, you versus Brian is kind of an interesting one. Uh, and then, you know, it's not, not, not rivalry week, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it kind of looks like the two big matchups this week are me versus Jake and Garza versus Will. Um, there's a, uh, there's a potential here that we, we end this week with, uh, with just one undefeated that, uh, and uh, do you know the longest somebody has gone in our league undefeated? I don't, you know, obviously the dream in a normal league, and this does happen, I don't think I've ever seen it, is to go undefeated. In our league, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the longest anyone's ever made it with undefeated, but it would be a tall task to go the, the, to go, to run the gauntlet here, you know, and to like, so let me like, this is what I would say. All right. Ready? Uh, I would say that if you show me a team that goes undefeated in your fantasy league, I question the quality of your fantasy league like severely. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, uh, well, parody yeah, really, parody really is the, the name of the game. Yeah, I, I think so. So we'll see. I, I kind of remember, was it Tyler last year started eight? No, or something like that. I think you're right. Maybe he, a year he was, before. He was undefeated for a while. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't really care. Uh, it's it's so early in the year. You know, TJ's in last place, but I said before we hit record, he's 
two wins and 10 points back of, of the playoffs right now. It's way too early to write off anybody. Um, and it's way too early to pencil anybody in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, at least we have some, uh, some good matchups here and, and, you know, we've gotten plenty of trades so far. We've gotten plenty of, um, you know, plenty of, of interesting things to talk about. And, uh, it's been a good start. I would say it's been, it's been a really good start to the, uh, Hawks nest 2022 league. I agree. I agree. I'm looking forward to see how things shake out this week. Um, maybe like you said, maybe TJ will even get a dub. Who knows? Um, so shots, I guess, I guess with that, with that being said, you know, it's your boy, Matty G signing off with Colby Patnote as always fade Matty G. He knows things. You know, nothing, Matty G.